This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. From MPB Think Radio, this is Deep South Dining, the show all about the culture of Southern flavor and the good folks that love to stir the pot. Good morning, Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. We will be your host today for an hour-long journey about food, foodways in Mississippi, the American South, and beyond. February is upon us, and it's filled with many things to celebrate. We have Valentine's Day to celebrate the ones we love. It's Black History Month. We will celebrate the achievement of African Americans all month long. And Super Bowl Sunday is upon us. We celebrate tailgating and the over one billion chicken wings that are sacrificed in the name of Super Bowl Sunday. We got a lot to talk about today because we are entering the very crowded month of February and lots of things to celebrate. But before we go there, we want to talk a little bit about mashed potatoes, Carol. Good grief, Malcolm. Java can pull up something quickly, can he? It's his job. <laughs> it's his job. That was pretty darn fast. Well, shout out to D.D. Uh, Sharp for um, providing the tunes this morning. Well, we're talking about mashed potatoes because Malcolm sends me all week long little blips of food things. In yeah, I do that. Yeah, you do. And one of them really hit me this week. You know, David Chang is one of the most famous chefs in America. He started the Momofuku series of restaurants. A Michelin star chef. A Michelin star. He actually cooked in Oxford for us one time at Southern Foodways. And you know, Have you been to the original noodle oh, yeah. show? Oh, yeah. As have I. I yeah. Uh, but anyway, I figured you had, but uh, got to meet old David Chang. Well, good. With, and, Don, with John T. Edge. I think maybe that we were there at the I think same we were. time as it was for a uh, Craig, Craig Claiborne event. weekend. Mm-hmm. Event. Yeah, and he uses Benton's bacon in his you know, ramen noodles. What an interesting guy. One of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People. But the article you sent me was uh, that David Chang does his mashed potatoes in the microwave. I went, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. This could set off a whole uh, it could, conversation I, about it could about air fryers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Chang says that that he wanted to share his technique that he peels and chops his raw potatoes into medium sized chunk chunks. Uh huh. He seasons them with the secret seasoning that you will talk about. Yes, and then microwaves them in a lidded bowl. Lidded, very important. A lidded bowl for eight minutes. Eight minutes and, to mashed potatoes. And after microwaving, he adds a few tablespoons of butter, a splash of milk, and then mashes them with a potato masher. With his secret seasoning. He does have Momofuku's savory season salt. Can you tell us what's in that savory uh, he seasoning says salt? It's kosher salt, uh, tamari, garlic, kelp, and mushroom powder. But, you know, we have our own secret salts that I'm sure would be in as fact, interesting. I'm going to jump way ahead, Java, on our planned. <clears throat> 
program and let you talk about what's happened in Eddie Wright's world because we're talking about seasonings Seasoning. and the success of seasonings. Yeah, I just I have to, um, uh, as they say, give give your flowers and give a big shout out to Eddie Wright uh, from Eddie Wright Barbecue, who we've had on the show a number of times. Um, his sweet Charlene was, you know, a passion of his and something he always wanted to do. Uh, sweet Charlene seasoning, and now it's available in Kroger's across the Central Mississippi area, so you don't have to. You know, visit his website. It's not a specialty thing. It's right there on the shelf in the store. And I thought Excellent. that was that was pretty cool. I've used I've been using it at home. And a quick story: I made some veggie burgers um, at home for Crystal, and she was like, "Well, hmm, these are different. What did you do?" Sweet Charlene, <laughs> good deal. All right. So, congratulations to Eddie Wright getting his. Uh, his seasoning into the Kroger's. And into Java's kitchen. And, and that's, Yet Java's becoming And into quite, his family's palate. Yes, quite the culinarian. That's so right. that's good, Java. Well, Carol, what kind of week have you had? It's been very interesting over in my little world. Well, you know, I, my little world, there wasn't a whole lot of creative cooking going on. But, you know, I had to jump on the spam train this week. A little you know, gift for uh, my husband. Spam. Spam. Mm-hmm. He he and his grandson The other and, white meat. And twin <laughs> back in the back in the day used to have they had a spam club. Oh yeah. Right, our, right, right. In our little fishing uh cabin they have uh, a picture of Lake Speed who used from Jackson oh, yeah. who drove the, the spam the race car, car the spam car. Yeah. And he hides spam. <laughs> it's in the it's in the very back of this cabinet, mm-hmm. and I was cleaning out cabinets last week and found the can of spam. Cachet of spam. Yeah, you know, it was. There was only one can left, and um, decided to make the man happy. Did you and fry it? I fried the spam, and I had eggs. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Um, Fried eggs. I had and, fried eggs this weekend too. And avocado toast. Yes. And it made. It was a sophisticated spam breakfast. It was a spam sophisticated, breakfast. and I, I can't take uh, credit because one of our cooking and coping members had actually posted a picture of, she called it Hawaiian breakfast. So it was just downright inspirational for me. And her name is Pam Gress. You Pam will Gress. see her thing, yeah. Pam Z. Grass and uh, she had actually rice under her fried so eggs. So did I. Really? Yes. I had uh, fried eggs over brown rice from, uh, the, from t- uh, Two Brooks Farms. Two Brooks Farms. And uh, I always, you know, blister the whites when I'm frying eggs. I like them crunched and blistered like my grandmother made them. So you turn your oil up high before you drop them in. And then, <clears throat> so I had. Rice on the bottom. I had two fried eggs and then salsa on the top as kind of a little, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. But my grandfather loved fried eggs and rice growing up. We had that a lot. I had never seen that. Really? Until I saw Pam Gress's beautiful picture. Every day's a revolution here at Deep South Dining. It is. It is. And, you know, we, we take the high and the low. We do. We go from the spam all the way up. So I had a wonderful experience this week. I was invited to speak to the International Friends of Mississippi Club. It is an all-ladies 
club of people, first-generation folks who have moved to the Metro Jackson area, live here, and are looking to connect with others, Russians, Italians, Greeks, uh, every nationality. Uh, <clears throat> they have a club formed in, that they formed in 1969, and Bitsy Irby was one of the original uh, founders of this group to help people who come to Metro Jackson uh, get to know other people uh, and, and to have a camaraderie. So they, they have an event every month at someone's house or at some place, and then they have a speaker, and they invited me to come and speak this week, which was cool. But the greatest part is it's also a potluck. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Why didn't you tell them about your two friends on the radio show? That's what I'm about to say, because I know it was some some flavors from all around yeah, the world. Yeah, there. Java could have brought the little portable recording device. Yeah, we could great. have made something happen. <laughs> about, uh, it was about 25 or 30 ladies. Um, a very interesting audience uh, to speak to. They had a lot of good questions, but... Uh, you know, the potluck was outstanding. Baklava, stuffed dates, pilaf, sausages. We even had shrimp and grits, which is... Southern. <laughs> Southern. But it was really great. Which is a nationality. And I will say this, too, uh, folks, that uh, several, several of the ladies came up to me and said, we listen to your show every Monday morning on MPB Think Radio. We love Deep South Dining. So that was nice to hear. Well, that is nice to hear, and next time you're invited. Bring, bring others. So I also attended uh, another food-related lecture this week. There is a fantastic uh, program called uh, History is Lunch. It goes on at the Department of Archives and History. It is hosted at the two museums every month. They have a speaker uh, to come and talk about various topics from History, culture, arts, food, all sorts of topics. This week, uh, the topic was Delta hot tamales. And our friend Ann Martin from Greenville has written a book about the Delta hot tamales. And so she was uh, presenting a program about the origin of the Delta hot tamales. She talked about the hot tamale festival. She talked about the hot tamale trail. And uh, it was really informative and a lot of fun. Did they serve hot tamales? There were some hot tamales in the audience. As you know, each person brings their own lunch. Have ah, you? Ah, uh, no. Okay. Yeah, you bring your own lunch, or they sell lunches there <clears throat> from the cafe. So uh, I picked up a pre-made lunch, uh, and it was, a, it was a wonderful grilled chicken uh, sandwich with a uh, spinach salad. But it's a great program, History is Lunch, uh, every month at the Department of Archives and History. And another food event where we got to talk about hot tamales. And one of the funniest stories that Ann told, she was talking about the corn shucks and the way that people wrap the tamales. Mm -hmm. And, you know, traditionally people use corn shucks. And Doe's is an exception. Doe's uses, uses a sort of parchment, parchment paper. paper yep. And she told the reason why, that in the old days, doughs also wrapped with corn shucks, and they were sent from Mexico. He would order them from Mexico because that was the, where most of the corn shucks came from. And one year, they got a shipment in. One day, they got a shipment in, 
And lo and behold, in the shipment was some <clears throat> unusual dried leaves. Oh, leaves. Oh, leaves. They had accidentally. Like that you can smoke? Correcto changeo. They had accidentally sent them a package intended for someone else, and it had a bunch of marijuana in it. And that was it for Dosigna. He said, that's it. I'm never ordering these again. We could easily go to jail for this. Intended for someone else indeed. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he said that was that, and he wasn't ordering any more shucks from Mexico, and he started using parchment paper. As do um, a number of places use parchment paper, but, you know, I'm a corn husk fan myself. Yeah, no, I love a husk. Okay, you know, Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. And we're going on the road this this coming we this are. weekend. We're going. We're going uh, to learn to make biscuits this weekend. But we'll all be back three in of time. us. Yes. Yep. Yep. We're going to get flour on our hands. You want to tell our listeners just a little preview of where we're headed and what we're doing? Yes, we are going to Marion, Alabama, to attend the biscuit experience. The biscuit and, experience. Uh, it's something that Chef. Scott Peacock, he's a very famous chef, worked with Edna Lewis and was chef at Watershed in Atlanta for many years, now has an antebellum home in Marion, Alabama, and he hosts biscuit experiences on the weekends for small groups. And he's very famous for his biscuits. I mean, right. people, the word would go out in uh in Georgia, the days that the biscuits were going to be on, on the menu. So we are going to go with some of our other uh, cooking friends, Leanne Galt, Thomas Williams from Nashville, Tim Pierce uh, from Memphis. It's the A group. And Brant Edwards. And we're going to all learn how to make biscuits. Java is up, will be up to his ears in uh, flour. Yes, he will. We're going to be making biscuits and having a good time going out on the road with Deep South Dine. Yeah, and yeah, biscuits are are a very special thing. Yeah, they just kind of uh, hit people in the heart. I mean, you there's just something special about it. And frankly, they're mysterious to a lot of people. They a lot of people struggle with how to make a proper biscuit, myself included. Yeah, because you can't just follow. A, res- a recipe. There's a lot of texture and feel, and do I need to add a little more liquid? Right. Uh, you know, this, that, Overwork the, other. the dough, underwork, underwork the, the dough. dough. Yeah. You know, biscuits are complicated. They're both an art and a science. That is so profound, Malcolm. And, and so we're going to learn at the feet of the master. Yes, we are. And he learned at the foot of a master and being Black History Month, we're going to talk a fair amount about Edna Lewis. Uh, we want to wish one of our longtime listeners a happy birthday. Alice in Macomb, Mississippi is celebrating a significant birthday and we appreciate you, Alice. We appreciate the fact that you tune in every Monday morning for Deep South Dining, that you've been loyal to MPB Think Radio and that you have connected to us and we are grateful. Happy birthday, Alice. Yeah. Appreciate you. All right. Uh, early, before we went on the air, Java and I were talking about the Grammys. This is not a music show. This this is a food show. But uh, we noticed uh, a little bit of Charlie Musselwhite there on the on the out that Java played. Charlie Musselwhite from Kosciuszko, Mississippi, did not win a Grammy, but he was nominated, which is and nominating very cool. is winning, and it's cool. I mean, yeah. it's winning in a in a good way. 
Yeah, indeed it is. Uh, and if Chico Harris is listening, he could probably bring us up to speed on all the Mississippians who were involved uh, in the Grammys this year. He does not miss a thing. So beginning, <clears throat> it is February, and this is the beginning of Black History Month, uh, and we celebrate all of the contributions African Americans uh, have brought to our table, to our food, to our canon of, of good food. Uh, and we want to celebrate uh, three individuals that we want to profile, but there are certainly many, many more. And Carol, you you go first with, uh, we meant the mentioned already Edna Lewis, and uh, talk a little bit about Miss Edna. Well, um, Miss Lewis really was the one who refined the view of Southern cooking, you know, past soul food. And she grew up in Freetown, Virginia. She was the granddaughter of enslaved people, but she was really the granddom of Southern cooking. Uh, her, her books... You know, The Taste of the South are, are some of the best cookbooks on Southern food. But she died in 2006. And speaking of Scott Peacock, he wrote um, the book with Edna Lewis. It was a James Beard Award-winning book. And as she got older and she developed um, Alzheimer's, he took her into his home, and she lived her last years with Chef Peacock. Right. Um, another chef uh, that we want to highlight this morning is Chef Leah Chase from New Orleans. And Leah Chase gave us a measure, an immeasurable gift, wonderful soul-renewing food. She had a fabulous restaurant uh, in New Orleans called Dookie Chase, which I think believe was her family's before she had her turn running it. I believe her parents owned it. But she took it to another level completely. She was the owner operator of the famed New Orleans Dookie Chase, a restaurant which was often uh, home to Martin Luther King Jr., Ernest Dutch Morial of New Orleans, the Freedom Riders, and other civil rights activists. And her role in American history, activism, and food is pronounced and is deserving uh, of our celebration. And I was blessed, Carol, as I'm I'm going to assume you were, too, to have eaten at Dookie Chase a time or two. And what a great eatery. What a great joint. What a great place um, in, in New Orleans. You think of New Orleans and you rattle off all these names of these famous restaurants. But Dookie Chase uh, was right up there yeah, when I lived there. This is, a, this is a reminder, a note to myself to go eat there again. Um, I actually brought the Dookie Chase cookbook in that you gave me oh, right. a number a number of years ago, and um, I'm opening a page here. It is stewed turkey necks. Miss Chase, she she was amazing, but Dookie Chase was harmed greatly in Hurricane Katrina. Yes, it just you know totally washed through it, and I worked with a group of people. For several weekends, we went down to help clean out the building, you know, everything from, I remember, I think Joe and Mary Pryor Sherman were washing chairs. I mean, there was just mud everywhere. The kitchen was ruined. Um, you know, I, my first Saturday, I cleaned pots and pans all day. Um, several chefs, you, you would see these chefs like Bill Smith from North Carolina, uh, you know, flew in actually lifting out her ranges and stoves and and cooktops. And, you know, we really 
all had you know, it was just a feeling in your heart that you wanted to help help Miss Chase and Dookie Chase did reopen. You know, she had wonderful art all through the building. Most of that was lost. Yeah, it was. But I always think about her this year. In fact, it, she was on my mind last week because there's an annual uh, dinner at Dookie Chase during Mardi Gras. It may be the day before Mardi Gras or Ash Wednesday where she, they serve her famous gumbo the zerbs. The gumbo zerbs. The gumbo zerbs. So all green gumbo. It's all greens. It's made up of... I think 13 different greens. I think that's a holy number or magic number or something that, you know, she would forage a lot, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of these greens along with, you know, the things that you think of normally. But, you know, the place is packed and people come year after year, you know, even flying to New Orleans for for that, for that mm-hmm. event. And we certainly miss Miss Chase and Miss Edna Lewis. You know, we've spoken about Scott Peacock. A few times this morning. One of the many things that Scott did, he was chef at the uh, governor's mansion. In Georgia. In Georgia for a while. Yeah. Uh, And there was another famous chef uh, who was the personal chef to President Lyndon Johnson, Java. Yeah, that was um, Zephyr Wright, who um, um, I I found pretty interesting that through some of her personal stories of, uh, you know, discrimination and stuff like that kind of influenced President Johnson to uh, sign the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Like she started cooking with the family um, uh, in, in the 40s, but stayed on through the presidency. And, you know, it's just that kind of one of those things where the interactions with people will have an influence on you. You know, she was a black lady. He was, you know, uh, a white president and may not have and could not have those experiences that she was having. And with those interactions day by day, cooking those delicious foods, uh, uh, Mrs. Johnson said she'd never found anybody who made a dessert better than Zephyr. So, you know, it's um, it's just through those daily interactions and things like that that help you know, push the needle forward. So we uh, celebrate Zephyr Wright for her contribution, not only culinary, but in a broader sense with uh, swaying swaying the hearts and minds. (laughs) You know, I want to mention our friend Adrian Miller, who Uh wrote Black Smoke. Um, His first book was The President's Kitchen Cabinet, and it was a compilation of all the african-americans who fed the first families in the white house yeah and it is a wonderful history and uh you know we think about adrian miller all year but i've been thinking about him lately he's now speaking all over the world you know he's been to yeah, the i Mid-East saw he was like in, in germany in or somewhere Scan- no scandinavia scandinavia wow now yeah. that's the whitest country <laughs> and you know a- adrian is the blackest man yeah and because I follow him on Twitter and I he's always too. posting about where he is and who has good. Um, I think it was one tw- uh, tweet, like I said, about Germany. Like he was looking for a soul food spot in Germany. I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> but I, he's you know, around. I'm just so proud of him. I got to know him about you know 20 years ago. He, he was a member of the Southern Foodways Alliance. He was still a lawyer. <laughs> but this is before he totally broke out and he was following his passion and he ended up being on the board of directors so you know we got to know each other quite well and to see the arc of his career yeah and now that people are inviting him as an expert 
on soul food and barbecue and inviting them all over the world. And uh, speaking of Leah Chase, to uh, go back a little bit, when I was in uh, D.C. Uh, over the Christmas holiday, uh, we, me and my wife went to the um, African-American Heritage Museum, and they had a nice uh, a nice uh, section dedicated to African-Americans in the culinary arts. And they actually had Leah Chase's, um, uh, I don't know what's the proper term, but the chef shirt. Her <laughs> chef jacket. Yeah, yeah. Her, she, uh, her chef jacket and um, and a menu from Dookie Chase, which was uh, which was really nice in there. So, just thought I'd mention it. That's great. <clears throat> and of course, Carol, we love cookbooks. We love talking about oh, cookbooks. We, we love having cookbook authors on the show. And you know, there are some really great cookbooks by uh, important uh, black authors and chefs. Uh, certainly, Jubilee by Tony, Tony Tipton, Tipton Mar- Mar- yeah, Mar- um, who Martin. was also a Southern Foodways. She was one of the founding presidents, and that is a, that is a beautiful book. Would you say, Carol, that's like the the quintessential book for um, you know, kind of if you want to learn about African American cooking and uh, contributions throughout history? Yeah, I, I think I think it is. It came out just a few years ago, maybe two or three years ago. But it, it's been one of the most honored and awarded books, not because it's about black history or tells it, but it's just a great cookbook. It yeah. is a great cookbook, beautifully, beautifully done. And and it would be great to get her on the on the show sometime. She'd have have a lot to tell us. Yeah. Also. Previously mentioned the Dookie Chase cookbook by Leah Chase. I guess that's still in print and available. It's a, a fine book. You know, I don't know if it's still in print. I'll, I'm going to mm-hmm. check while we're on, but but it is a fine book, and yeah. it really has the essence of soul food. And we've been, you know, talking about in the people that with Leah Chase and and others, you know, the whole concept of soul food and. I was surprised that that soul food, the term soul food, really wasn't used until the 60s. As and, a marketing, branding, maybe? Well, it was the time, you know, it was that time in history, like during the Civil Rights Movement, and, you know, things were starting to, the word soul was used, like, you know, we had soul music, we had soul train and it was a term Ah, that you know the term that african americans it was like a celebration of the culture that's the proper word there's a celebration Mm -hmm. so when you saw soul you knew what was going on so soul food you knew what you were going to get (laughs) yeah and and the you know really the first uh, mention of it use that you know that i found just reading about it was by um, a poet named amiri baraka and he had an essay called Soul Food, and, and what it was, it was an argument against white critics claiming that there was no African-American cuisine. And so that was his response uh, to that. And, you know, it, it's become, you know, a, a genre of food, you know, genre of food. Yeah, that anybody can can dive into, and it's funny that it's also has its roots back to you know um, a, a time when African Americans were enslaved and just taking whatever was given, 
yep. and, and, and making it as exquisite as they could. And, you know, as the time goes by, those traditions have continued and it just continues to elevate and elevate and elevate. I don't think turkey necks were on the top of anybody's culinary list or oxtails or oxtails way back when. But now they're on, you know, so many menus across the world. Yeah, exactly. And on the plantations, um, the enslaved people were given a ration each each month and there was like you know meal cornmeal and and flour and uh pork fat and the things that they did with that and it was really important to have high calorie foods when you were working in the field so uh yeah collard greens got a piece of pork fat put in them you know everything was was about uh you know getting getting that food Mm -hmm. and an, another uh, Malcolm thing this week, or jo- one of y'all sent me a clip about a soul fruit food restaurant in Columbus, Mississippi. Yeah, that, that was me. I saw that. It was I'd not heard of this place, and so they were celebrating an anniversary, forty years of uh, of being open in Columbus, and I was <laughs> frankly like disappointed in myself that I didn't know Me about too. this place. Me too. What, do you know, remember the name of it? Yes, it's it's um it's Helen Helen Jones. I think it's Helen's Kitchen and Miss Jones is 87 and one thing caught my attention on the interview about soul food. She said, "Well, it's either soul food or it's rather food for the soul." Is right. how how she thinks about it. And uh the interviewer asked her what makes her food soul food. And she said, well, it's because I cook it. <laughs> she said, I don't, she said, I don't take it off the truck, you know, and, and heat something right. up. She said, I cook it. From and scratch. Yeah, she, yeah, she does. And she talked about the people that she serves. serves and it was a TV interview. Java, yeah. I don't know. You missed it. So if anybody if anybody from Columbus want to call in and give us a, you know, a story about Helen's Kitchen, lines lines are open 18776727464. One last book. Oh, go ahead, uh, Well, no. I was just going to say on the on the television clip, you know, underneath there were comments from people. Yeah. And it was just amazing to see people recalling their, you know, their favorite dish and just bragging about her food, and there just seemed to be a lot of pride in Columbus about what she does. So if you're in the Columbus uh, Golden Triangle area, go by and check it out. And I think we should go check we, it. Road trip. I see yeah. a, I see another I mean, one in our future. Once once we've made biscuits, we're headed to Helen's. <laughs> yep, and, and I'm going to try to get you guys over to Edwards, where I'm living one of these days. Oh, so, that's a great little restaurant. We have a great soul food restaurant that we, we eat at two or three times, or at least John, for, for lunch. It's, What's it called? It's Lee's Heavenly Barbecue Lee's. and Soul Food. Mm. Yes. David Patterson and I used to drive out there and eat there. It's been a while, though. Need to revisit. One last cookbook, uh, Black Food, Stories, Art, and Recipes from Across the African Diaspora by Bryant Terry. Are you familiar with this? I am not. I'm not either. 
but it's a, something we need to check out. It says that this book explores the black foodways in America and around the world by looking into the black experience, offering delicious recipes, moving essays, and arresting artwork. Yeah, well, this I, book, it's uh, it, by Brian Terry. It's, I don't want to say more than a cookbook because it does have great recipes, but um, it does have lots of different essays that complement each recipe along with artwork as well. So it's a, it's a full experience. Not just, you know, here's a recipe, go and cook. It gives, um, you know, kind of stories behind the dishes and artwork that will put you in a, I guess I say a frame of mind when you are um, uh, trying these dishes and eating these dishes. Now, if I'm right, uh, Java, next week our friend uh, Elaine Trigiani joins us, right? Yeah, Elaine Trigiani, she's going to be on the show, and um, it's always fun as she breezes in from uh, Italy. That's right. right. Yeah, she's got a new line of olive oil, so we will certainly be talking about olive oil and um, what's going on. She's also, uh, she does culinary tours over in Tuscany and really Sicily and all throughout the uh, country of Italy. Jackson native, now living abroad and making a mark uh, in Italy. And you know, Carol, I was was digging around, as I always am, looking at stuff and Speaking of Italy, you know, they just don't allow any substitutes over there. If you they go in a really don't. If you want a substitute, you need to go to a different restaurant. Right? Yeah, you need to come back home and tell somebody to hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. You can't do that. Yeah, there. it comes with pickles. And yeah. Of course, we're not talking about burgers. <laughs> uh, and, you know, speaking of restaurant etiquette, I, I found another article about, you know, question the one question to avoid asking when you go to a really busy restaurant, Carol. What is it? Malcolm, I was interested that you sent me that because you are a restaurateur, and I actually disagreed with it. But it, I've, I've seen this written before. The question you are not supposed to ask is when they take you to a table to change, I would rather be in a yeah. booth. Could we have or a booth or, or could I sit over here instead of here? And it's because the host is managing the tables to keep, you know, that this waiter can only handle this many tables, you know, their their sections. And Mm -hmm. the host has all that in their head. And they also know what reservations are coming in. So you really, you know, you really mess up the program according to the article of course i did not write the article yes uh, i only read it and shared it it is interesting having worked in casual restaurants uh like hallamals where i think it's perfectly permissible to say can we have a booth or can we sit over here i think this article was really talking about restaurants that maybe fine dining primarily fine dining reservation only and they work off of this spreadsheet that's very uh, detailed and it, mm-hmm. it relates, as you said, to their staff and how many sections, how many waiters, who can and handle reservations. What, how many reservations. And it, this article says that uh, it is not proper etiquette to say, can we have a booth? Now, there are certain exceptions to that. Uh, certainly, like if you have a disability uh, or you're on a, in a wheelchair or on mm-hmm. a walker or you need access closer to the restrooms, this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. The Americans for Disabilities Act kicks in. It's certainly proper to ask if you have a service mm-hmm. dog and that sort of stuff. But it was just saying if you go to a restaurant and it's obviously at peak time, they're smashed, people waiting to get in, you have a reservation. They were saying you shouldn't 
be picky about your table. Uh, okay. Well, maybe I'll change my ways. But, you know, if I'm going to a fine dining restaurant and they put me, you see, uh, open tables and they put me uh, and my guest at the table facing the kitchen. You're not going to um, deal with it. You know, I'm going to at least ask. And also, sometime. You know, you're in a romantic situation, mm-hmm. and you want to be in a cozy booth. It is Valentine's uh, time, and yes. Yeah, but, you know, sometimes it's the mood right. that dictates. Well, anyway, it's just information. Yeah, like it's inf- it was something to talk about. And- well, I think also it was about, as far as when you're out at a restaurant, it's not all about you. Really? Yeah, I know. To 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 everyone's surprise, I think even to go back to that uh, Italian uh, restaurant thing, uh, I think that's it, it, it. It's just you know us as Americans, we love we love to have our way and do our thing just about everywhere we go. So you know, it's it, that's that's what I got from the yeah. article. No, you're right, right. And some restaurants even. Have their tagline as having it your way. I mean, yes, American. I can still say, "Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Special <laughs> orders don't upset us. <laughs> All we want is that you have it your way." There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this is a good time to mention <clears throat> Valentine's Day and eating out. Valentine's Day is the biggest restaurant day of the year. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It is. It is. Insane. People eat out sometimes only once a year, and yep. this is it. And so it's kind of like New Year's Eve for for drinkers. It's sort of rookie night, and you have to be empathetic and sympathetic to people who don't dine out a lot. And they choose Valentine's Day as a celebration, which is good for the industry, but it's also a lot. Well, uh, coming from my background at the Alluvian Hotel in Greenwood with the Gardena's Restaurant, New Year's Eve, Valentine's definitely was it. But I was doing some reading, and the other two big days are Mother's Day and Father's Day. There you go. I I didn't know that. I mean, Hallmark I know holidays. Father's Day made the list. I couldn't believe it because I thought most people are grilling or doing more outdoor things, but this was from a restaurant industry survey. Hmm. You know, it, it, yeah, it was no, a I get it. You know, good organization, but that surprised me. Mother's Day, you go out for lunch, you go out for, you know, that. Well, that's why for Valentine's Day, you have to be secure enough in your relationship where you can say, honey, let's go on the 13th. Well, let's go on the 15th. Right. Let's leave the the 14th, like you said, Malcolm, for the rookies. Leave rookie night. (laughs) It's, it's, you know, like drinking on New Year's Eve. That's rookie night, you know, for bars and, and taverns and such. But anyway... Java has compiled a list here of, of <laughs> foods that will enhance your Valentine's uh, dinner. Uh, one of them is honey. Did you know the word honeymoon comes from mead, an alcoholic beverage made from honey that was traditionally given to a new bride and a new groom? I had no idea. I had no idea. And I think I did know that chili peppers boost your endorphins and lift your mood and your energy. Hmm. Yeah, but the um uh what's this oysters. Mm. Uh, I'm 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 a new oyster guy, but um commonly known as an aphrodisiac raises testosterone production and uh you know, general libido. <laughs> uh, this is about your health. Uh pomegranates. <laughs> the myth is that the first pomegranate tree was planted by Aphrodite. Huh. And the the goddess of love herself. 
and the antioxidants in the pomegranate help to boost blood flow. So there you go. Well, are y'all going in or out for Valentine's Day? In. Oh, uh, definitely in. <laughs> Carol? Out, just because we're going to be out of town. And, and so you'll go out to eat. Yes, we will go out, but I tried two weeks ago to make a reservation at a rest uh, at a restaurant uh, in the town where we're going. Did you ask for a booth? Well, I first did you ask for a romantic. I didn't table? ask for anything. I asked first. I went on Open Table, which is <clears throat> you know a site where you can go on and book restaurant reservations, mm-hmm. and was told you know there was absolutely no nothing oh. nothing available. <laughs> but being in the restaurant business, I know that they always hold tables. Back. Ah, you know the tricks of the trade. Yeah, so I called. And, uh, you know, the manager was really, really nice. And I've got a couple of seats at the chef's table. You're facing the kitchen. You're not looking eye to eye with your beloved. But it's kind of a a round horseshoe around the kitchen. And being, you know, food people, I think we'll have a ball watching, you know, watching make everybody's dinner. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Super Bowl is coming up, and uh, it's uh, a murderous time for chickens and chicken wings. Um, It's also the second largest grilling holiday in this country, of course, the first being 4th of July. Yes. So Super Bowl is the second largest grilling holiday. Uh, Java, you got grilling plans for the Super Bowl? No, I don't have any grilling plans, but I am getting my menu together. You know, a lot of meats, a lot of cheeses. A lot of pizza Cheese sauce. Cheese is big. <laughs> I mean, Rotel, give, give me some Rotel dip. And Malcolm, you did, see, like Carol alluded, you always sending us uh, uh, nice articles that you found on one of those uh, 50 uh, Super Bowl uh, things to eat. They had a walking taco where you take a bag of like either Doritos or Cool Ranch chips, open it up a little bit, put your seasoned meat in there, put your cheese, put your lettuce, your salsa, all of that in the bag. And I think we're going to get into that this, uh, this Super Bowl. So, so everybody you gets their individual everybody walking, gets walking taco. taco. Yeah. Do you get a, a implement or do you eat it with your hands? Um, I don't know. I think we're going to get a plastic. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, we're going to get like a, a plastic thing. Yeah, so Just, you rip yeah. open the bag and eat it out of the bag. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yes, I saw that. I was like, oh, that is that's neat. You know, that reminds me up up in Oxford. They have that barbecue drive-in place, the barbecue Sunday, where oh, it's, yeah. it's layered in the cup, and yes. you, you eat through the cup. I, yeah. I, I don't know the name of the place, but. Uh, well, barbecue Sundays, I, I remember at Blackberry Farm, they used to do a very high-level one in a mason jar with, you know, you put your slaw, your beans, your barbecue. Huh. Delicious. Yeah. Not a thing wrong with that. Hey, <clears throat> we got, you know, oh, we have a caller? We have Jesse from Mobile, Alabama on the phone. Hello, Jesse. What's up? How's it going? Good. So, if you remember the Disney animation movie, Princess and the Frog. I do. The princess was modeled after one of guests. The princess and the princess. Leah Chase. Bingo. I know Bam. that I know that movie front and back was my girls. We've watched <laughs> we've watched we've watched uh that movie so many times. That is wow. You're kidding. When they came to her, they didn't tell her. They just said we were doing some research on 
how to make gumbo, about one of our storylines. And then, lo and behold, they let her know the young lady is modeled after you. Wow. That's a great That is princess. a great story. So talk about a local Disney princess. Jesse, you really always come up with some great stuff. Thanks. We appreciate you. We appreciate that you listen, and we appreciate that you get engaged and share with us. It's really what it's all about here at Deep South Dining. Thanks a million, man. How's everything in Mobile right. today? You getting ready for Mardi Gras? Well, they had the Senior Bowl, so you had that version of Mardi Gras. For the players who aren't familiar with Mobile, they always throw before the game. Friday night, they have just a Mardi Gras for the Senior Bowl players, so they get to experience the experience of being on a float, going to a parade, in case they never get that, in, they didn't get it in their college, or their pro, they'll have an experience from the senior bowl. And ah, then the Connie Cavaliers cool. had there, so you had two going on the same night. Okay. It's supposed to be 70 today, so it's February, and we're already you know, running the ACs in the cars. <laughs> but I sent you guys an email for the Marion Biscuit Reservations. Yes. Oh, great. So in, case anyone, in case anyone else wants to make that trip. Oh, good. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll uh, tell other, other people about it. Yeah. Yeah, we look forward to it. Okay. It's going to be quite a road trip for the Deep South Dining Gang. Yep. Okay. And any other King K contest, though, they had one across the bay last week. And the winner is? Oh, I did not miss that. I was at work, so I missed the okay. winner. All right. Well, king cakes are always in the news this time of year. And uh, there was a great uh, piece that I picked up on Facebook. Robert St. John and Martha Foose are opening a new bakery in Hattiesburg called the Loblolly Bakery, named after the Loblolly pine pine trees that uh, that populate that area. And uh, they've been working on their king cake. and, and, And Robert was explaining it in great detail uh, I'm sure Martha Foose can throw down a Oh, I bet cake. she can. That is very yesterday celebrating a birthday. So that was the ice cream was from the yard and Mobe beignets for the cake, in this case, small cakes that were called beignets. Okay. Well, that's great, man. We appreciate you calling and uh, sharing that. That was a great tidbit right there. I, I'm just Chase. amazed about Leah, Leah Chase. That's yeah, that was that. That's phenomenal. I'm gonna hold that piece of information and you, and share it about. <laughs> share it with the kids. This has been fun. Yeah, I guess it's time to go. I hear the music in the background, so that's a wrap, y'all. We Thank started so with much. mashed potatoes. That's right. We're going out with the good Doctor John. He says, "There's a potty in my mouth." Back when he did the Popeye's chicken ads. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from people like you and Dr. John, and we thank you. Our show is produced by Java Chapman. And for Carol Palmer and my own self, we will ask you to stay tuned now for Marshall Ramsey's program entitled Now You're Talking, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. And we do ask that you join us every Monday morning right here on Deep South Dining, heard exclusively on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.